Winter was here, but we're just getting started talking about the season five finale of Game of Thrones, Mother's Mercy. And now here are the two guys who are saying, have mercy. I am Rob Sestrino with Josh Wiggler. We also have no shame. Shame. No shame. shame. No shame. No shame at all. Oh, my God. Rob Sesternino. Here we are at the at the end of season five. Feels like it took us a thousand years to get to the end of season five. Yet here we are. Yet here we are. And I'm so excited because uh, this is, you know, the, the seven are shining upon us here today because not only are we ready to talk about the season five finale, but we have breaking game of thrones news to talk about at this hour josh wiggler i know oh my goodness if you are listening to this in a time capsule then this is not going to be quite as big of a deal uh but if you are listening to us here on winter was here in the week to week we are recording this on november 13th 2018 the day that we found out that game of thrones will be returning for its final season in april 2019 we finally got a target to shoot for rob now how did you find out this information did you watch a block of ice thaw all weekend (laughs) i'd almost forgotten that that (laughs) happened yeah that that really was the way that they revealed a release date was well i mean i guess technically the the release date reveal is not yet complete HBO has announced that Game of Thrones' final six episode season is coming in the month of April 2019, but we do not know which Sunday in April 2019. Mm. So there's there's still drama here. There is still some suspense. Yeah. Okay. April 2019. Now, this was earlier than we were anticipating, right? Um, I think I think so. For me, I, I really was thinking it was probably going to return somewhere around when Game of Thrones aired its seventh season. Like I, I thought that we were going to be in for another summer season. Um, and you know, bad on me. I, I suppose April is certainly the traditional Game of Thrones spot. Yes. It was re- it was really season seven that was the outlier, and I thought that that was just kind of where we were going to go. So I was blindsided by uh, by the spring of 2019 being the return of Game of Thrones. Total Rob, blindside. I thought that you and I were like going to be spinning our wheels here as we were trying to fill out time before we start talking about new episodes of game of thrones but i actually think we're we're probably gonna time this pretty well i would i would imagine i think it's gonna be tight i think it's gonna be tight we're gonna have to really (laughs) stick the landing here stick the king's landing i think we can stick the king's landing yeah so this is very exciting news it's fortuitous it's yes, fortuitous very i think fortuitous. this is we really a nailed challenge it. yes absolutely we really nailed it so uh very excited about all that and hopefully uh we'll get an actual date on the books and hopefully uh we will time this out right because after this episode you and i are going to have but 17 more episode recaps to get through before we get to season eight yeah, I was trying to to figure out where that will land us. And I think that we'll be somewhere end of March, very beginning of April. So potentially rubbing right up against the season eight premiere uh, and got to imagine that there's like a Christmas break or so in there. So we'll see. We'll figure it out. But we'll uh, we'll we'll make sure that we make this. Uh, we'll make this whole thing happen. We've come this far, Rob. There's no way that we are turning back now. Right. And if we don't make it, whatever we don't get to, we'll do after season eight. <laughs> 
Does that, does that sound good? That's the plan? Mm, oh. Nope. No. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure yes. it out. Yes. Okay. So uh, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. And because, you know, there was all those rumors about some guy said that, oh, well, it's not going to be in consideration for the Emmys for 2019. I'll tell you that right now. Right. Well, uh, it's going to be eligible. It's going to be eligible. So it will be Game of Thrones will absolutely be eligible for the Emmys next year uh, with its April 2019 drop. So that obviously you got to imagine that that's a factor. That's a consideration on HBO's end. But I think also for me, uh, when when you're hearing all of these uh, reports of just how sizable this final season of Game of Thrones is, even only clocking in at six episodes, it sounds like these are going to be six of the biggest episodes of Game of Thrones ever. Uh, And for me, I kind of just felt like, it's probably going to take a really long time to get this done. I don't think they're going to be, I, I can't imagine they're going to be done by the spring. Uh, and here we are. Here they're we done are by the spring. Okay. going to happen. So we'll see if we get any other updates between now and then. And uh, I'm not sure. Did you already say that no podcast next week with the Thanksgiving um, break coming up? I think that we are going to, we're going to pause down for, for the Turkey day. So no podcast next week. This is something we've been doing uh, along the way. Here's these breaks in between seasons. So we will have another week long break in between uh, the end of season five and the beginning of season six, a little bit of a cliffhanger for you. I mean, who knows? Is Jon Snow really dead or what? We'll find out. We'll find out in the season six premiere coming up in two weeks here on the Game of Thrones post-show recap. Winter was here. Josh, let's talk about this very jam-packed season five finale, Mother's Mercy. And uh, I feel like that maybe the reaction to it was polarizing at the time in terms of the way that the Jon Snow death was handled. But on this rewatch, I don't know if you felt the same way. There is a ton here. This is a great episode. Yeah, a lot's going on in this episode. And the Jon Snow stuff bothers me less because I know I can just press play on the very next episode and that story continues. Uh, He's back on his feet inside of the next two episodes. I think it's the end of the second episode of season six. Um, It was it's really just like the all of like the meta stuff that really pisses me off about that. But in terms of the story itself, uh, it's a really dense episode. The, the Night's Watch storyline is a little bit thin so that when it ends with Jon Snow getting killed, uh, I think like you're rightly believing like th- that's it. That's it for Jon Snow. That There was like no fanfare for this at all. So, you know, maybe the, the way that the story is structured in that regard is kind of uh, tipping their hand there that, of course, this is not how Jon Snow is going to die. But beyond all of that, there's uh, there's the the very, very nasty death of Marin Trant. There's the very, very nasty walk through the streets of King's Landing from Cersei. There is uh, some unfortunate business still to be had in Dorne. Uh, there is the very unfortunate end for Stannis Baratheon mm-hmm. and his entire storyline. So, yeah, a lot's going on here in uh, the season five finale. And it really is for me finishing season five here and we'll do the full season five postmortem later i'm sure uh but just to kind of like tease that take this really does feel like the end of the first half of a two-part story that i really do think that seasons five and six work in concert with each other and this is a really great um launching into the into the intermission between acts one and two of this two-act play so there should be some sort of a musical of game of thrones seasons five and six yeah, I think that you could do the same thing for three and four. Uh, and I presume that you'll be able to do the same thing for seven and eight. 
Ooh. I think the Game of Thrones season one kind of stands on its own and season two is sort of its own thing, too. But I think three and four work really well together and five and six work really well together. OK. All right. We start off the episode with Stannis and we're seeing Melisandre watching the icicles melt and it's a heat wave. And she's like, you see, Lord of Light <laughs> always delivers. And then. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then the, uh, the, 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 the iceberg melts and everybody's just drowning in despair. Yeah. Stannis is not having a great morning. He first hears that. Uh, so last night, half the men left with the horses. <laughs> yeah. Half, half of everybody, half, half the men have left. The sellswords, all of them. Uh, have left with the with the horses, and that's very bad news. The numbers were already firmly against Stannis uh, heading into this conflict against the Boltons, and here he is looking at a situation uh, where he's going to have to march on Winterfell with half the people that he already had in that dwindling force. Very bad. There's no way that the morning can get worse. Well, another guy comes up, says, Stannis, your grace. He's like, what is it? On with it. And uh, nothing could be worse than what the last guy just told me. It's well, like, hey, about, about that. <laughs> like a, it's set up for a joke. <laughs> Bring Stannis over. Lady Solis has been hanged. Is yes. there any other read on this than she hanged herself? I mean, I guess there could be the read that, uh, like, did she catch the people? Like, hey, what are you doing? Why Sell are you swords. taking the horses? Yeah, and then they hanged her or somebody who was very disgusted with what Stannis and Solis did to their own daughter and somebody hangs Solis and maybe had a, a mind to do the same to Stannis at some point. You can fanfic that out if you want. I think that the, the cleanest, easiest, uh, and most satisfying answer is that Solis who we saw was so disgusted with herself uh, in um, in burning her daughter alive. That was that even though she was so cruel to her own daughter for so many years in these final moments, she had this outrageous outpouring of grief and regret uh, that that ultimately consumes her and causes her to do what she does. I think that it just makes all the sense in the world compared to the other options. And then Stannis was like, well, this is it. This is the worst thing that I could hear today. Boy, I, I can't hear what take one more piece of bad news this morning. It's going to get worse. Lady Melisandre has left your grace. Yeah, she's gone. She's gone. It's worse. <laughs> the, one person, the one person who believed in you, she's she's out. And you got to wonder, like, why did Melisandre leave? already uh like they, he hasn't marched on to war is it at this point does melisandre even already at this point does she know that stannis is about to lose because he's not dead yet uh so she's she ultimately is not his ride or die here uh what's the deal with this so i think that she is reading the room and she realizes that stannis is gonna come back and say you said the lord of light had my back what is going sure. on yeah yeah at that point maybe it's time to cut i listen to you yeah i burned my kid yeah Ugh. yeah probably time to leave so she's gonna get out of here santa says get the men we're marching yes marching on out of here uh they're gonna head to winterfell and that's gonna go great more on that to come. All right, let's yes. check back in with John, and he is basically retelling the hard home story to Sam. 
Yeah, he's giving him the highlights. Like, I killed a White Walker with a Valyrian sword. It was really, really cool. Uh, I lost all the dragon glass. That was much less cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, Sam was very concerned about the dragon glass. What about the dragon glass? Like, Sam, it's gone. Yeah. Okay. It's We're never gone. getting it back. Yeah. John says, uh, it wouldn't have mattered if we'd gotten that dragon glass back anyway. The only way it's going to matter is if we have a mountain of it. A mountain uh, of dragon glass. Yeah, fast, uh, flat, fast forward two seasons from now, and uh, that that may be something that's at your disposal. Sam wants to leave Castle Black. He wants to go and be a maester. That's what he belongs doing, being a maester. He needs to take Gilly. He needs to take baby Sam out of here because that if they stay there, they're going to die. And the last thing that Sam is going to see is the look on Gilly's face that he blew it. Yeah, he says, the last thing I'll see in this world will be the look in her eyes when I fail them, and I'd rather see a thousand White Walkers than see that. Uh, If Game of Thrones is going to be about all of these characters rising up from uh, the things, from losing the things that they love the most, we've talked about that a little bit before along the way, whether that's like taking climbing away from Bran uh, in the very beginning of the show or cutting off Jamie Lannister's sword fighting hand, which was so much part of his identity. Do you think in this this theory that I've outlined before that Gilly is somebody who you could imagine losing in the final season? And in order to really up the stakes, lose a main character, lose somebody who's beloved. Um, does any of this from Sam uh, feed into that for you? This idea that like, uh, like, is he almost like kind of calling his shot of the worst case scenario and that's going to come to pass for him? That's interesting where uh, if he is able to somehow take care of the baby where something has happened is something has happened to Gilly, but you know, in sort of like her dying words and she's like, take care of the baby. Then maybe that still gives him purpose, even though he would think his life would be over without Gilly. Yeah. And that's a great setup for one of these game of Thrones successor shows. It could just be called Sam's (laughs) Sam's right. Well, I do think that it's an interesting dynamic of Sam, the father, considering that he had the very strained relationship with his own father. So I think that that would be something where he would probably be able to learn from the mistakes that were made in his own upbringing. Yeah, I just I, it's it, it feels like it's all adding up. Uh, I hope I hope we're wrong here, but I, I feel like uh, you can you can see the 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 line is starting to become clearer. Yeah. Is that a, a trademarked Josh Wiggler uh, original? The uh, Gilly is going to die in season eight. Cause I, I don't uh, think I've ever seen anybody else talking about that. It's not like a theory that I'm like really popularizing or anything as far as I can tell. I mean, maybe that's what we're doing right now on this here podcast. Um, I haven't seen it much. I think a lot of the talk about Sam has been a lot more like he is going to be the guy who is telling this story at the end of Mm -hmm. the whole show that he's going to be like the maester who survives and everyone else is gone. And he's the one who is able to kind of pass the story down. I've seen that a lot. I've seen less that like Gilly is going to die and Sam is going to be left behind to pick up the pieces. Um, But I think to say like uh, to to make any kind of prediction about a character who is going to die heading into the final season is like the easiest theory to, to put out there on the field. So I claim no smart points in any of this. All right couple of good moments here with uh john and sam um john tries to remind sam like hey if you go to the citadel you know they're gonna make you swear off women you know you know that right and sam has the uh great line of well they'll bloody try 
Yeah. And John's like, Sam? Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did it. Totally did it. And John asks Sam about like, hey, well, weren't you like beaten half to death? Uh, how'd you how'd you do that? And another good line from Sam is like, very carefully. <laughs> like he lost in powers all of a sudden. Oh, my God. We shagged, baby. <laughs> Yeah. And John, uh, a rare, you know, witty, funny line for Jon Snow. He's like, I'm glad the end of the world's working out for somebody. Yes, yes. That is a great line. I, I liked that as well. Uh, but it's a nice moment between John and Sam as John uh, gives him the green light to go and leave Castle Black and head to Old Town. And that's going to be the remainder of Sam's story for next season is going to be his trip to Old Town. Um, and I, I, I this is the last that John and Sam will have seen of each other um, through the point that you and I can talk about Game of Thrones, at least like they still have not seen each other since this moment. So this is the final John and Sam moment together on the record, except for some, uh, some email correspondence. Yeah. They toast to Sam's return. Yeah. He'll be back. Yeah. Hang in there. All right. John, John Snow is the one that you should worry about. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in imminent danger. Yeah. Let's uh, check back in what is going on as we see Sam and Gilly uh, head off for the Citadel. Stannis and his forces are setting up. They are getting over to Winterfell, getting ready for a big siege of Winterfell. That's not going to happen. There will be no siege today. So what happened? The last time we saw the Boltons talking about this, Josh, uh, we saw Roose Bolton talk about how we've got enough food. We are going to be all set up. We've got these walls. We are going to wait them out. But now here come the Bolton forces. Uh, was there a change in the strategy after Ramsey's plan was so effective? Yeah, I think at this point, like the the. The Baratheon army is so thin and they march as is onto Winterfell and probably somewhere along the march, since there's such thin numbers, uh, somebody is able to report back to the Boltons like, yeah, these idiots are marching towards us. And the Boltons are like, oh, there's like five of them. We could just step. We could just step down on them and, and crush them like bugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like there's no real need for any overwhelming amount of great strategy strategy. It's just like, OK, well, when they show up, let's kill them. Okay. Like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the eat. This is the most effective, easiest way to do it. Meanwhile, we see Sansa get out of her room. You know, we saw her pick up that corkscrew in one of the episodes back. And I think we thought that like, oh, what is she going to do? Stab Ramsey with this. But she does use it to pick the lock to get out of her room. Call the locksmith. <laughs> yeah. And she is going through with making it through the yard at Winterfell and up to the Broken Tower with her candle to signal to somebody, hey, this is very frustrating. Mm. <laughs> this moment yeah. is, a, is a really intensely frustrating moment where uh, Podrick catches wind of the Baratheon army marching on Winterfell. He goes to Brienne and lets her know, I know you hate Stannis Baratheon. This is happening. You might want to get into position for this. Uh, and she's been, you know, spending this entire season looking for the candle in the window. Uh, and she decides like, well, it hasn't happened yet. So I should probably kill Stannis Baratheon while I can. And literally not five seconds after she turns away, uh, Sansa lights the candle. So it's just a, it's a very aggravating uh, the timing, the timing, bad timing, bad, bad, bad timing, uh, for Sansa, unfortunately. All right. So 
after uh, the, she misses the uh, the candle in the window, uh, Sansa eventually is going to uh, return uh, back to heads, heads back to her room. Uh, meanwhile, the status forces have really taken a beating. Yeah, this is the moment where like they're trying to dig in. They're you know they're trenching. They're getting ready. They're gonna start their siege in the in the morning. But literally the moment that they are they are dropping down to like set up their tents and start like getting prepared and like you know uh, get their like setting up you know station. Uh, they are uh, they are immediately attacked. There's no siege. We're just gonna have to fight right meow. <laughs> right meow. I said now. No. Oh. I thought you were uh, 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 turning into a cat as well. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I definitely said now. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know what this is. Yeah, Josh. So, were you frustrated here on the rewatch about yada yadaing the battle? No, I think it's fine. I and again, like with with hindsight being what it is, as you're as you're going through this and you know a little bit more of the story, we're going to get the Battle of the Bastards in just a season from now. Uh, you know, I think like ten episodes exactly from now, maybe nine episodes uh, from from this moment. Um, so you're going to get that big battle outside of Winterfell. You're going to get to see it. And I think when you're when you're thinking about season five as act one of this two act story of seasons five and six, I think that there that this is more satisfying in retrospect that like you've been building up to this epic confrontation between the Baratheons and the Boltons all season long. But really what the story is for Stannis Baratheon is this story of him completely coming apart and desperation finally being his undoing uh, and just his, you know, him always hiding behind the idea of it's my duty. It's my duty. I'm uh, it's my birthright to be uh, sitting on the iron throne. It's mine by right. And really what it ends up being, you know, ultimately he himself has to admit it is this is pure desire. It's like pure it. It's his, it's his own lust for power that is driving him to this place. And it just, falls apart in this big wet fart of a battle that you don't even see. Uh, so I, I like it. I think it actually, I think it works out decently well. I think it's a, it's a good cautionary story for a lot of the themes that are at play in this show. Okay. We see Stannis, he's wounded. He ends up fighting off two guys and uh, he ends up just uh, sitting down, parking it in front of a tree. And then here comes Brienne of Tarth. Yeah, and it's this scene is a lot faster than I remember. Like I remembered this being a little bit meatier in terms of the dialogue, uh, which is my mistake once again because Stannis is being a man of a few words and fewer still. Uh, he's really just he's not going to have a lot to say on his way out the door. He's really going to like very briefly ruminate on how everything went so wrong so fast, and then he's like, "Yeah, just chop my head off." Yeah, was Podrick here in the scene? I don't believe Podrick was here. Where was I don't he? Know where, I don't know. He's just hanging out. Just like wa- <laughs> cleaning watching that the horses. Deer. Yeah, cleaning the deer. That's it. Just getting some soup ready. Yeah. And Brienne, she announces herself. And uh, we see that Stannis thinks that she might be in the Bolton army. Uh, she is not. She was a Kingsguard to Renly Baratheon. And she goes through all of Renly's titles. And she was there when Renly was murdered by a shadow with your face. What is Stannis's face on, on a shadow? That was the, the shadow baby. Yeah, I, I know, but but I watched that episode and there was no <laughs> Stannis face on the shadow. I don't know where you this know, came from. It didn't quite translate from uh, as filmed in person. It was a lot more realistic. <laughs> I think. Okay. Yeah. 
It's like, uh, check it, check it, the camera. Stannis admits to it. Yeah, he cops to it at this point. I mean, I think at this point he knows he's beat. He's dying. Uh, there's, there's really no way out of this. Yeah, he could have been like, no. <laughs> Stannis. A, baby, a, a shadow baby with my face? Uh, that's that's a little hard to fathom, don't you think? Do you hear yeah, yourself but, right now? But Stannis is not a liar, man. Stannis will, will break before he bends. Mm. That's the thing about Stannis. So he's not going to bend the truth. Mm. He'll break. And so he breaks. Yep. Uh, any last words uh, for you, Stannis? Go on, do your duty. Do your duty. Classic Stannis. Okay. So, Classic Stannis. And uh, so he gets stabbed in the face and one assumes he does his duty afterwards. Pour one out for Stannis as he is gone. Eulogy for Stannis Baratheon. I I, I, I don't know. Uh, my feelings on Stannis are complicated. I really like the actor. I love the character as he's written in the in the book. Uh, I think that's a, uh, I prefer that version of Stannis and that version of Stannis and his ending is still TBD. Who knows if GRRM is, is going to, is going to finish that up and, and give us his take on Stannis. I imagine it'll be slightly different than what we got here. Um, I ultimately don't, I don't know. There's a lot of time that is spent on Stannis that kind of just like ends with him getting his face chopped off in the woods, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think it it all like feeds into like getting Davos and John together and getting John in a position to like really rally the North. And that's all well and good. Uh, But I think a lot of the Stannis Baratheon storyline is best when slow played. And with the pace of television, uh, you just need to have all of these different extraneous Stannis scenes. And I think like a lot of those extraneous Stannis scenes were among the worst scenes of the past several seasons. You know, like that moment when he's in the Iron Bank of Bravos. Like, who cares? Yeah, uh, yeah that's probably like the, the worst. That's probably the, you know, the absolute nadir of the uh, Stannis story. What's the best? What's the best Stannis moment? Best Stannis moment. Um, oh, man. Do you have a contender that, that leaps to mind for you early on? Well, I mean, you know what? Him, Here, I'll, him give him I'll give him this due. I'll give him this Blackwater. Good. Blackwater was great. Blackwater was good. Yeah, that was very good. So I think him him rushing uh, with the other uh, members of his army and and knocking out Mance Raider right. and everybody is is really cool. It's just you can kind of see the shot coming because there's just yeah there's so much wheel spinning in season four that builds up to it. Yeah, you don't get Blackwater without uh, Stannis. You know he had some good moments here with you know uh, at at the at the wall here uh, at at Castle, Castle Black. Uh, not great stuff after Castle Black. I, I just think that most of the Stannis stuff that we see here in Game of Thrones is probably replacement level stuff at uh, Game of Thrones. It's not it's not terrible. It's not the worst, but it's also uh, a few high highs. I think it's like you were. It's it's toward the viewer. It's toward the top of the pack of the middling stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, like I, I think there's a lot of middling stuff in Game of Thrones, and I think that his is his his is among the best of that stuff. Like if you're if you're counting like uh, like your your trips to Dorne and uh, and Karth in the mix, like I would I would take the Stannis stuff every single day of the week. All right, let's check back in with Sansa at Winterfell. She's trying to get back up into her room and she runs into Miranda. Uh Uh-oh. 
Moran is being a total Miranda right now as she has her bow drawn and she is telling Sansa, like, you have to go back to your room. And Theon is begging Sansa, please go back. And Sansa's like, nope, I know what's going to happen to me if I stay here. If I'm going to die, I'd rather just die now rather than get, like, ripped to bits. Uh, And that's when Miranda kind of, like, uh, gives her her own version of the to the pain spiel uh, where, like, oh, you're not going to die your ears you'll keep and I'll tell you why like it's that whole idea of like no he's just gonna he'll hang on to some of your parts the parts with which to create an error and that'll be that and then he'll do bad things to their parts and it's all gonna be awful um so I highly recommend you come back with me now unless you really want to feel some pain I would have liked to have seen Sansa really call Miranda's bluff even more I mean I think she did to a degree but I think that she could have just really called her on do you really think you have the authority to make this call right now? <laughs> you don't think that Ramsey's going to be really upset? You shoot me with an arrow when he comes back. You think that Sansa should have like asked for her badge and ID number? Like, <laughs> like what I don't do you know think Ramsey's going to do when you shoot me with a bow and arrow, and I've got you know uh, I, I've got a, a you know an arrow sticking out of my arm later? Yeah, but these guys are such idiots that, like, I don't trust that they're not going to just, like, in a moment of, like, impulsive, like, psychotic, you know, behavior, they're just going to, they're not going to shoot me. Mm -hmm. I feel feel like you can't trust that. You can't trust these people as normal, rational people. They're not rational actors. That's fair. So here comes Reek, and Reek is going to push Miranda off the bridge. Darth Reek. Darth Reek yeah. rebels against the Emperor and throws Miranda off the off the pit. She goes down screaming like Palpatine and uh, splat on the ground. No cloning Miranda, no Emperor Zahn or Admiral Zahn or whoever the guy is. Thrawn, Zahn is the writer of those Star Wars books. This is all mixed metaphors, but Miranda's <laughs> dead is the point. Yeah. We saw Ramsey out in the field. He said, uh, oh, I better get back. I bet my wife is missing me, which it felt like it seemed a little forced from Ramsey. Don't think he was really saying that. I don't think so. Yeah. And so Reek sees Uh oh, Ramsey's home. Now what do we do? Yeah, we got to go. We got to go. We got to leave right now. It's too late. Like we've we've drawn our line in the sand and we can no longer be here. We got to get out of here. Okay. And we see that. Reek and Sansa are going to jump off of the top of uh, Winterfell. Yeah, they're going to take a take a dive into the snowbank below. They're banking on the fact that the snow is going to cushion their fall. Uh, and very luckily that that worked out. But I think the the point of it is at that moment, like either we'll land and we'll be able to keep moving or we will die instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that will be better than our current lives. I think is it's a it's the testament to just how bad it is here in the Bolton household. Um, for Theon, Theon's never going to see Ramsay again. Uh, Theon Ooh. has you know that that's it. There's no more Theon and Ramsay. No more Reek and Ramsay. That's fully done. Uh, and really, the the revenge that that Theon is able to to wreak upon Ramsay is by killing Miranda. Like that's the that's the boss he gets to fight. Uh, the show has since decided that Theon's like uh, Ramsey doppelganger is going to be uh, is going to be Euron Greyjoy, great uncle Euron. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I feel like my bet on that would be Theon is going to be allowed to kill Euron by the end of the show. Okay, 
All right. More on that to come. R.I.P. Miranda. Such a Miranda. Yeah. Such a Miranda. <laughs> All right. Uh, Marin Trant. He is uh, back at this pleasure house. Is that that? Am I using the right term? He's at the brothel. He's brothel. at the brothel. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he's got uh, these uh, young women lined up and he's got a, a, a stick a switch. Yeah, he's got like a, a whooping stick. Like he's he's got like this. Yeah. Uh, My closed captioning got, called it a switch. A switch. Broke. Yeah. Uh, a Nintendo switch. A Nintendo does it, switch. Can you like take like two joysticks out of the thing? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. Yada yada. Uh, Marin Trant is being horrible. He's hitting these young women. And there's one woman that he is striking and nothing is going on. And so he releases the other two women, uh, which was a, a real solid on Arya's part. Yes. Yes. She really looked out for uh, her fellow uh, victims in this moment. And then she, after taking uh, some more shots from the switch, she uh, then reveals herself uh, and then stabs out Marin Trant's eyes and, you know, stabs him repeatedly. Multiple times in like the gut, the chest. Mm, yeah. Bo- both eyes like stuffs a, a rag down his throat so he can't like speak. Yeah. Gives, gives him a real spiel. This is like actual to the pain. This is this is literally like your ears you keep and everything else is gone. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is some dread pirate Robert stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very hard to watch. So gross, so gross. Uh, we when we launched the Throners, our annual Game of Thrones award show podcast, uh, and we launched like the I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's the the Red Wedding Award for Excellence in Horrible Death. Uh, Arya Stark murdering Marin Trant won that prize handily, and short of the Red Viper's death, is this the grossest death in the series? I am trying to remember. I'm trying of to like rem- a, of a named character, uh, you know, of a of a of somebody who is like actually uh, somebody who you could identify. Marin Trant is a character on this show. Um, I think it's hard for me to think of somebody that like gets like murdered in such vicious fashion. Yeah. I mean, this is the uh, tops for me as I'm, uh, as I'm thinking, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean there's not somebody that uh, we're not going to hear from people on Twitter or by email. Joffrey's in the conversation. That's really, really gnarly and gross. Like I'm talking about like the visceral gross death. I'm not talking about shocking death. Not talking about like your Ned Starks and your Red Weddings, which is uh, violent for sure. I think what happens to Talisa is pretty horrible. That's really, really rough. Um, but this is just like you're watching this guy get his eyes put out. And there's just like blood everywhere. And he's just like gurgling and woggling and it's awful. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's the silver lining here is like this is one of the worst people on the show. And if he's going, you know, if anyone's going to get so brutally mutilated, at least have it be uh, the pedophile. Yeah. All right. So Arya tries to sneak back into the Hall of Faces, put that face back and we see Jack and Hagar and the waif and they are not happy. no. They really aren't. They're like, oh, sweet. So you're clearly not ready to do anything cool. Mm-hmm. 
And hey, you took a life. You took the wrong life. Yeah. And only death can pay for life. So let me drink this thing and die in front of you right now and traumatize you forever. No! Jack and no! Don't die! And then Jack is like, okay, I won't. Mm -hmm. And then Jack is suddenly alive and he is now the waif. This whole scene is still so confusing. It's so confusing. It so let me just no sense. let me just try for, for people who do not have a great recollection of this scene. Let me just uh, explain this uh, blow by blow, and then maybe you can tell me what's happening, Josh. I'll try. <laughs> Jack and Agar takes out poison and says, "Nope, only death can pay for life." So now I have to die. And then he takes the poison, and he and he falls to the floor. He is dead. And Arya is is crying like, no, he was my friend. And the waif is like, really? Was he? Was he? Was he? Was he, was he, was he a friend? But then the waif turns into Jack in, and there's still a body. And then Arya is pulling faces off of the body. But what happened to the waif? Excellent question. No the waif idea. Waif was Jack and Hagar when they walked into the room. And it, yeah. is the waif dead? Like, how could you take her face? Well, we know the waif isn't dead yet because she's going to be all over season six. Mm -hmm. Can you can you like transform into a person who's not dead? Was this a dream? I think it was happening. I don't I think know. It was real. It was real. I think it was real. I don't know. And then so then Arya, all of a sudden, she ends up taking off enough faces off of the Jack and dead body. And then she sees her own face. And then we see that like uh, Jack and Agar says, oh, by the way, just so you know, the faces are there. Um, they're not good for you if you don't know how to use them. They're as good as poison. Yeah. What? I don't know, man. And I then Arya can't see. She goes blind. Yeah. Did that have anything it, to do it, with stabbing out the eyes of Marin Trant? That seems like some karmic justice. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. But in terms of the mechanics of why now she is suddenly blind, we didn't see her drink anything. Mm -hmm. Unless it was like skin contact with the fallen jack and hagar that seems like very precise poison um i don't think that it's really worth spending much more time on this scene rob because okay. it makes right. no makes sense <laughs> it makes right. no sense right. it's not really going to matter at all uh aria is blind and that's where we leave her going into season six very dumb scene let's go to dorn yes okay. oh. oh wait can we spend more time at the house of black and white <laughs> <laughs> okay hey, impactful moment in dorn Okay. Sure. Right. Sure. So we are sending off Marcella uh, that her and Tristane are leaving with Jamie and Braun. And uh, we see Larry Sand. She's going to give a big, a big wet kiss to Marcella on the way out. Yeah. A uh, lethal kiss. Uh, this is going to be the, the poison kiss that is going to kill Marcella in just like five minutes from now. Not even. Okay. Uh, we see a goodbye between Braun and and which one of the sand snakes is this Tyene 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 uh she uh, basically says uh tata for now <laughs> tata the bushman for now tata the bushman for now yes uh and she says something else i i can't really uh, really recall what she says yeah, it feels like it's some sort of ridiculous piece of dialogue that uh, I don't feel like repeating personally. <laughs> the worst piece of dialogue in the series. Yeah, yeah. You want the good girl. Yes. But you need the bad. <laughs> <laughs> meow. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> Did you just say no. meow? No. I said now. <laughs> All right, back on the boat. Yeah. Marcella, uh, that she 
talks with Jamie and uh, that she has the Lannister necklace. Don't lose it this time. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. We need that. We came all the way to Dorne for that. Please don't just drop it in the water. Yeah, that would be bad. And so Jamie and Marcel, they have a nice talk. And Jamie tries to have uh, the dad talk with her of that. Me and your mom are brother and sister. Right. And Marcel's like, stop. Don't even bother. Already know. Totally cool with it. Oh, and so they have a really nice moment and they have a hug and everything is really great for like five seconds. And then Marcella starts getting the nosebleed and it's like she's time traveling on Lost, except she's poisoned and she's going to die in Jamie's arms. And that's going to be the end of the Jamie storyline for the season. Yeah, that's really sad because Marcella seemed like that she was one of the good Lannisters. Yeah, like her and Tommen are the good Lannisters. Uh, this is upsetting. It's upsetting for sure. Um, it's upsetting that we went all the way to Dorne for this. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. uh, both like the actual miles that Jamie uh, had to travel to get to this moment, but also us as viewers that we had to endure. This is just who needed any of it. Yeah, it's rough. This is uh, still hard to watch. Very tough. Uh, And I think for for Jamie, like when you're trying now to like kind of look at the the longer arc of his fifth season uh, and his sojourn to Dorne and what was the point? You know, it really he doesn't end this season in any real different of a way than he began it, really, except that he's just kind of like feeling the same but worse, where he's already entering the season feeling like he's failed his family by letting his dad die. And then he exits the season by feeling like he's failed his family by letting his daughter die. So he's just a double failure. So where's the arc? It's all very uh, rudderless to me. Mm -hmm. Josh, we go back and we see on the shore about Hilaria Sand. And as she's watching the ship, uh, she, too, is having a nosebleed. Yeah, uh, because she she had to apply the poison to her own lips in order to to deliver the poison. Why did she wait so so long to take the antidote? She's got a uh, an immunity built up, I think, or close to it. She's, you know, insensitive to it at this point. But still, I mean, is it like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I would have, as soon as that boat went away, I would have drank the antidote. Yeah, I think exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, exactly. She really, I mean, I wouldn't even wait for the nose to start bleeding. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I get nosebleeds. I, you really, you want to put your head. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. No, it's, it's really, it's really bad. Uh, I never knew that you got nosebleeds. I get nosebleeds. It's been and, like a lifelong thing. Yeah, it's been like a lifelong thing. And, uh, I, you know, they, they come and go. Oh, they come and go. But I don't, I don't, uh, die after them. I'm mean, hopefully, um, but, <laughs> not yet. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But, knocking but, on but really, wood. But you want, you want to sort of like, uh, you want to put your head back. At least you sort of want to like, uh, get off your feet. Right. So you think that if Marcella had put her head back, she would have survived? No, probably not. I mean, it seems like a very dangerous poison. But I mean, in terms of like if you were Hilaria Sand, um, you know, that's that's a good way to help stop the nosebleed. Okay. All right. And such is Dorn. Such is Dorn. Close the book on Dorn. As bad or worse than remembered. You know what? Uh, I don't know if it was as bad i think a lot of the stuff that we complained about in the real time in season five 
uh, I feel like was uh, shorter on the rewatch and not because I think that in the real time of going through it's we are in Dorn for months. We, we are there for the whole season here. Right. You know, we're checking in. It's five minutes here, five minutes there. And we're not like living and dying with the characters there. It, it does not feel as long. Uh, the Cersei storyline, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that. I mean, I feel like that she was, you know, uh, locked up in the jail for you know weeks and i think we saw really? her saw her one time in before we get to her back to her in this episode in the gym wow wow uh dorn or karth which is worse um i i think that karth is you know so humorless so unmemorable other than you know uh blue icicle lips uh, right i, I think raspberry that, yeah i i think i would rather like you know, Braun is here. You know, there, there's nothing fun about Karth. What if Blue Raspberry Mouth is the Night King? I'll throw up. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just. Throw he is up. like Blue Raspberry. I know, I know. He's his own Blue Raspberry Mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Karth is worth uh, is worse for sure. He wants the dragons. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I want your dragons, Kelsey. Uh, at least uh, Dorn, you're right, has Braun. The Sand Snakes are kind of ridiculous. But you can laugh at the ridiculousness mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, I don't think it is quite as bad as we feared going into it. But I think that that's by like a notch or two. It's still really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the Karth stuff is just like so boring and unmemorable. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, like Karth nothing there. It's just like, a huge what, what are we doing time. here? What are we doing? Huge, huge waste of time. Yeah. And it's a waste of time, like leading up to that waste of time. And I think it's a, a bigger sin to waste time with Daenerys Targaryen than it is with Jamie Lannister. Does that make sense? Like even, even though Jamie's a great character and everything, I think that Danny is clearly a more central character to the greater scheme of this story than Jamie is, who is an important character but like Danny is central in the way that John is central. And so to have like a whole season's worth of story where her story sucks is really a bigger sin than for Jamie to have a boring season. Mm-hmm. And also I, I think we move the needle a little bit here, at least with the death of Marcella, which is sort of, you know, fuels Cersei even more and delivers on the prophecy. Whereas the stuff with Danny in season two is like, what did we get out of it? Nothing. She got we some, got nothing. She got like, she stole a bunch of gold balls then, and then was able to, uh, what? I mean, wasn't She didn't even use that money to buy the unsullied. I mean, if we get in, uh, the final season, that, uh, image of the red keep with snow in it, that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still not worth going through all of that at Karth. Okay. All right. Let's go and check back in with uh, what's going on in Marine. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of this is, is chess pieces stuff. Like, I don't think that there is uh, a ton that we really need to chew on. There's some like, uh, you know, back and forth bickering between Jorah and Tyrion of like, you exiled me. Yeah, I was I was super uncool, very ungentlemanly. We get like that uh, 90s alt rock CD cover shot of Tyrion and Jorah and Dario sitting on the steps. Oh, yeah, for sure. Remember that? I liked that. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's Grey Worm all of a sudden. Uh, the nice to show up, Grey Worm. 
I mean, these five, if you include Missande, like the five of these people together, this really does look like this would be the hippest band in all of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like they all have, I believe, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but the actor who plays Grey Worm, he's a, uh, an R&B musician with a beautiful voice. Yes. By the way. Yeah. Voice of an angel. Um, so I, I mean, they could really, they could really put something together here with this group. Oh wow! Okay, that would yeah. be that would be great if we can, uh, you know, see them perform at the uh, Throners this year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, they just like divide and conquer their plans, right? Like, I think we can yara yara through this. Yeah. There's going to be the the attack team that's going to go and find Danny. That's Dario and Jora. Uh, Tyrion is going to like whisper into the ear of Grey Worm and Masande because everybody trusts Grey Worm and Masande. And then Varys is going to show up and he's going to hang out with Tyrion. And that's basically it. Unless there's like no. more that you want to dig into there. That's essentially what happens here. Danny is off with Drogon. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. And, and Danny and Drogon are sort of stranded where they flew away. They flew out of the fighting pits and then they just landed somewhere. I feel like that Danny is being a little unappreciative of Drogon that he did just save her life. And she's like, come on. Let's go. Yeah. Well, Drogon's like being a baby. He's just like, he's not, he's not moving. He's wounded. Do anything. (laughs) Yeah, but you're a dragon. Suck it up. Those are just spears, bro. I guess so. And Danny is like, well, it's not like you're going to go out here and get anything for us to eat. I guess I'll have to go look for food. Yeah. And then she ends up surrounded by the Dothraki. Ah, yes. The Dothraki. Uh, or shall we say the Brothraki? Mm-hmm. We are now in the Brothraki era. It really feels like we were just here. This is now it's start. Now Game of Thrones is starting to feel familiar in terms of the podcast of it all. Uh, we're getting we're getting really uh, back into the into the muck here with these guys with uh, this new call who's going to be here for like five seconds, like wannabe Drogo. Can't wait to see that guy get. Burnt to a crisp, roasted, toasted, and burnt to a crisp. Now, does the uh, Dothraki horde, do they recognize Danny, or is this just like standard operating procedure of that anybody they find, they surround them in a circle and sort of uh, go through all of this? Because it seemed like a little bit of pageantry. A little bit of pageantry. I think that the fact that Daenerys um, makes it to the her next destination as relatively unharmed as she does, I would guess means that they probably have an idea of who she is. Don't you think? Uh, I would think so. But how did did they recognize her from that far away? They see the dragon land. You know, I don't know that there's like a ton of people in Essos who have like the platinum blonde hair. Maybe they saw the dragon. Maybe they saw the dragon landing and then it's like, hey, send out a search party. We just saw a dragon crash land. I like that theory. Let's go with that. It's like when the others saw uh, the plane landing on the island. (laughs) They were having the Dothraki book club. Yeah. (laughs) They don't like Stephen King. Mm, No, no, no. All right, let's check back in with Cersei. She's in her cell. Confess. Confess. Ah, oh, Septonella, you suck. Yeah. Just the just the worst. It's a little rough. It's a little rough. All right. Cersei is gonna say, All right, I've sinned. I've sinned yeah. to I'm, the high I'm sparrow. Good, I'm good to confess. Get me out of here. Do not wanna be here anymore. High sparrow, very open to hearing the confession. Oh, 
people you wish to confess to? Yeah. Yes, yes. I want, and then if I confess, then you'll let me out? Fine. I yeah, did it. And so, and so she's going to own up to some stuff, but she's still going to lie about some things. Right. Cersei confesses that she laid with a man outside of the bonds of marriage. Yes. She and Lancel Lannister. Lancel. That was it. They did it. They did the thing. Yes, so that that's all she's admitting to. She is uh, not admitting to any other men. She is not admitting to Jamie Lannister. She is not admitting that her children were not fathered by King Robert. I think I made that into a double negative, but you know what I mean. That her children yes. are not bastards. Yes, she's only confessing that's to it. doing it with Lancel. We shagged, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cersei wants the mother's mercy for this. Yes, and drop. And the sparrow is like, "Look, this is all good stuff. This is progress. You know, you're on you're on a good path here. And because of that, I will let you go back to the Red Keep." Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Cersei is scheduled to have a trial. Also, yeah, like they are not fully out of the woods on this yet. Yeah. There's there's still more to be done. Uh, the trial is going to prove her innocence. But because she is, you know, showing good behavior and because she's making uh, the right strides towards the right outcome, the High Sparrow is basically, uh, you know, bailing her out of jail. Okay. Paying, paying her bail money. Can you just reset for me? What's the end game in all this with the High Sparrow? I think for the High Sparrow, and I think that this is ultimately what we see with his arc, I don't know that there necessarily is an an end game for like a power grab. Does he have or an agenda? You think he is who he says he is? I think it's more that like yeah, I think that like this guy is like an incredibly uh righteous zealot who uh has this insane interpretation of uh of of the of the seven, of the way of the seven, uh and it's just like this incredibly militant religious maniac who is just trying to interpret things faithfully as he sees them through his warped view. Uh, and by virtue of that, nobody is safe. Like Cersei is not safe. Nobody is safe. If you come to him with anything that is, uh, you know, looking like an affront to his religiosity, he is going to swoop down on it. Uh, but I don't think that like he has ambitions to be the king of Westeros or anything. I think for him, he really takes his, his role as the leader of the faith militant, super seriously and that comes at the expense of so many of these people uh cersei included most pressingly right now okay so cersei is told she can return to the red keep after her atonement uh what atonement yes so we see cersei then uh she is uh naked being uh, scrubbed and then she is being uh her head is being uh shaved short hair yeah, she's getting her hair ripped out and it's it's very violent and painful looking. And that is just the start of her troubles for the day. It's right. going to be a bad, bad day for Cersei right. Lannister. And this is one of the most iconic sequences uh, in the history of the show where we're going to see Cersei's long walk of atonement. Josh, how, how does this hold up for you? It's a really off like it's an excellent scene and an awful scene it is it is so hard to watch and they really they let you go along with cersei on the walk for a good long time like you're not doing the full walk from the sept of baylor to the red keep that would probably be like an hour and a half episode at Mm -hmm. least uh but they they you know they keep you in it for like 
it feels like five yeah. minutes of walking. You know, it's really tough. It's unflinching. You see a lot more than you want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in many different respects. You know, yeah. It's very it's much from Cersei's uh, perspective um, in terms of that we are on the walk with her. And there are all these like countless faces and strangers just hurling epithets and worse at her. And I can relate to what Cersei is going through whenever I go on Twitter and look at my mentions. That's a, uh, it's similar. <laughs> you suck. You're the worst. <laughs> we hate you. Fling poo. Uh, shame, 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 shame. Shame. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Uh, at yeah. shame, shame. <laughs> yes. Now, Septa and Ella, Somehow uh, that, you know, she didn't really think this through because, you know, as she's walking along with her bell, I mean, she's got to be, you know, taking, uh, you know, some shrapnel here, right? You would think so. And some of these other faith militant that are with her as well, like you would think that some of them are getting like some like bile blowback. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a really, really epic scene. I mean, there's I don't know what we can say about it that, you know, has not already been said. I mean, I think in the context of this scene versus, you know, how she ends season five versus how she ends season six. And what a contrast that, you know, I think at the time of it airing, you're wondering who is Cersei going to be on the other side of this moment? What is Cersei walking toward? Is she somebody who is really feeling like the full weight of the shame of her life. That is uh, that, you know, these shameful acts that she has done in the past. Is she feeling true atonement or, you know, when she's crying, is it both because of like the physical trauma and the emotional trauma that is occurring right now and has been occurring for her since she's been imprisoned? Or is it because like, Oh, these sons of bitches, these bastards, these terrible people who I am going to stomp all over. Like, is it some kind of like sweet D rampage that she is, you know, festering inside of her head at that moment. And I think it's probably some sort of cross between the two things, but it's certainly going to, to galvanize her toward becoming the most by far dangerous version of her uh, that she's ever become uh, throughout season six, culminating in the light of the seven. Um, so I think in that context, the scene is is very compelling. Um, you know, like she walks back into the Red Keep and she's still naked and now she's crying because none of the people on the streets are looking at her. But she's still crying in front of everybody that she walks into the room with. And like Pycelle is there and Kevin Lannister is there and she's having this insane moment of vulnerability in front of them. And she's just going to like orchestrate their deaths in horrible ways very <laughs> shortly from now. Um, so like, you know, Cersei is crying right now, but who's going to have the last laugh as far as everybody who was involved in this specific incident, it's going to be Cersei Lannister. Okay. And also here comes Kyburn and that he is going to uh, cover her up and he is going to try to take care of her and says, yeah, he does have some good news today. The day was not a total loss. Yeah, here is introducing Mr. Bobby Strong, Sir Robert Strong. And so um, why did he get the name Robert? I think it's 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 it ties to Robert Baratheon, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm hmm. Like, you know, I've, I've I've wondered about that of like, is this guy going to be her undoing? Is Robert Strong, is this zombified mountain somehow going to be Cersei's undoing? And she is killed by 
at least a Robert, if not Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I just like his name is Gregor Clegane. Like, why is he Robert Strong now? This is Sir Gregory <laughs> Clegane. I mean, do other knights get a new name? I think that they're trying to conceal his identity. Oh, you know, for as far as everybody <laughs> knows, Gregor Clegane is dead. Uh, and this guy, they're just trying to like mm-hmm. very thinly conceal who he is. Yes, because uh, that he's uh, a master of disguise. They've always they always <laughs> said Gregor Clegane, <laughs> a guy who could fit in anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he, he hides behind telephone poles, like very incognito. This guy, mm-hmm. and it's still the same actor. Yeah, well, they they settled on a mountain they liked. Uh, mountain three is the yeah. is the the mountain that sticks. That's the same guy who killed the Red Viper. Is the mountain all the way through from that point forward? Yeah, too bad that when they had one of the guys that like uh, what the guy with like the beard, uh, they couldn't have had like had him in the mask then. This is a better deal. I like this mountain. This is mountain's good. I yeah. think we we agreed. I think it's three one two on the mountain. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, Sir Robert Strong is not going to speak again until all of the uh, your grace's enemies are dead. I think uh, I think he's never going to speak. <laughs> would be my prediction. And he carries off uh, Cersei. This is like a nice moment. Kind of. I mean, like it. I mean, it, it does. It, it works really well in uh, in connection to where her story arc is headed, uh, where you know that she's going to get so much revenge on so many of these people that this incredibly vulnerable moment and this horrible, you know, psychological torture that she endures along the way ends with her being cradled by this monster that she is going to unleash upon some of these people and certainly help inspire some of the monstrosity that she is going to, she's going to wreak upon King's landing. Um, so I just love that. That's kind of the final note of the moment that it's, it's this very intense sequence where you just feel horrible for Cersei. And then you wonder what's she thinking in this moment as she's being, you know, carried away by the mountain in retrospect, it's a very dangerous moment. Okay. Finally, Let's go back up to Castle Black and see John and Davos. And Davos is making the case of like, uh, come on, let the wildlings fight for Stannis. Come on. Yeah, this is a, a, a moot point, buddy. No one, you're not going to care about this in five seconds. Yeah, John is like, uh, didn't we already settle this like five episodes ago? They don't want to. Yeah, so they, they went over it. They're rehashing it ever so briefly. And then uh, the red woman, Melisandre, shows oh. up and it's like, oh, wait, you shouldn't be here. This is weird. Yeah. And Davos says, uh, oh, what's what's going on? What's going on with Stannis? And uh, she says nothing. Shireen, the princess. Uh, Not she, happening. Yeah, she just yeah. walks off. Like, yeah, I'll be in my room. It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad news. It's a really bad scene out wait, there. Wait, where are you going? You don't have a room here. You just got here. Nobody wants you here. And I was like, did you at least like get my stag, the toy stag that I made for Shireen? Mm. And she's like, no, but I left it in the funeral pyre. uh, So you can find that later and get mad at me about it. Right. You would think that Davos would not really let uh, Melisandre get off this easy and just walk away without sort of like some more information. It's like, uh, 
I think he's shell shocked. No, I think that he's he's you know, his whole world is rocked. Everything that he has been building his entire being toward is now done. His entire world is done. And I think the one thing he feels he probably has in common with Melisandre is that even though they were completely diametrically opposed in terms of how to help Stannis Baratheon, I don't think that he doubts that she was on Stannis's side in her own really weird way. Uh, So I think in that moment, he's just not. He's just not sure what to do. I think it's just his whole world has been flipped upside down. Okay. All right. Jon Snow. He is upstairs going through his mail. <laughs> yeah. And Ollie yeah. comes in. <laughs> yeah. Hey, John. I don't know if you caught it in the previously on, but uh, Uncle Benjamin. Remember Uncle Benjamin? What? What? Yes. Uh, so. That there's some word uh, that uh, Uncle Benjamin is still alive. Uh, There's a guy that says he was first ranger, knows where to find him. Yeah, and so they're going to find him. They're going to, Ollie is leading John downstairs to go and see the person who says he knows where Uncle Benjamin is. Uh, And it's it's a lie. It's a trap. Well, John should have known something was up because Alistair Thorne says to him, yeah, a guy said he saw your uncle at Hardhome last full moon. Like, oh, Hardhome? Uh, I don't think he was there. Yeah, yeah. At that point, he should be like, ah, I don't know. Well, John I says he could be lying. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, maybe. Said, we'll, but you should definitely get closer, and then we'll talk about it a little more. They bring Jon Snow over, and they see a sign that says, Traitor! Traitor! Mm, and then he gets stabbed for the watch. For the watch. Yeah, it just gets uh, douched in the chest. It's really, it's rough. For the watch, for the watch, for the watch. And then Jon Snow, he's gotten stabbed four or five times. They bring out Ollie. And Ollie, Jon's like, no, please. I've been stabbed five times. I think I can make it. I can't get stabbed six times. <laughs> the sixth like, is really going to do, do it. me in. Don't do it. <laughs> and then Ollie, with no hesitation, he really just uh, turns the knife for the watch. There's some hesitation. There's like a little bit. They have a I moment. Did, I no? did hate Ollie again in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard not I to. Did. I did. Hard not uh, to. Look, you know, and I, I hate Alistair Thorne for like, uh, like, oh, and then we'll let Ollie get the last one in. Yeah. Alistair, you just do it all, right? Like, don't plan. you? Yeah. Like, yeah. you do what you got to do. Leave Ollie out of this. Yeah. Well, that's it. Jon Snow's dead and no more Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, we see some blood uh, leak out. Did the, did the blood turn into a wolf? No, a dire wolf? no, none of it's real. None of it's real. His the, eyes the, don't change, eyes change color. color. No. no, no, no. Nothing. Desperation is a stinky cologne. I've <laughs> given it up. I was wearing it once upon a time. Okay. It's not real. None of it's real, but it made for some high traffic articles. My goodness. Jon Snow will live. Jon Snow will live. Yes, he's going to make it. Be yeah. just fine. Yes. For now, I mean, he'll probably. I, I do think he'll probably die. I'm glad we don't do the spoiler stuff anymore because we would have been like, uh, I don't know. Oh God, what do do? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What happened to John? <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it. Season five, still alive. Yeah, except for John, who's currently dead, but he'll be alive soon. Yes. When we get to season six, we'll talk about uh, why did John Snow have to die. I uh, search me 
<laughs> I, I, I still what do we get really, out of this that Jon that, Snow died and came back? I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a big part of the frustration with this for me. And it, it just, it has not bared out for me yet why it matters that Jon Snow died. But what, what I do what like, point? what I do like is that the show, I, I think does sort of like put a spotlight on that. I think Jon Snow feels like, yeah, what, what was the point of this? Yeah, but I don't know if I like that. I mean, maybe I, I mildly appreciate that they are like calling out that they didn't need to do it. But then why did you do it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I, I do like thematically that it's like, oh, he came back to life. He must be our savior. And John is like, well, what what is the point of all of this? I'm not. What, 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 why am I special? Right. Well, I just hope that there's a reason. Ultimately. Yeah. You know, may, it doesn't have to have manifested yet, but I hope, hope by the end of this thing, there's a reason. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Okay. Let's talk about uh, season five as we, uh, as we close the book. Josh, where do you have it ranked? Um, you know, I, I, I walked into this thinking that season five was just above season two. Like I, I looked at seasons five and two as kind of the weakest seasons of Game of Thrones uh, with a bullet. Um, and I walk away from season five thinking that I, it, it is still in that position. It is still uh, second, uh, second to the bottom for me. But it is actually it, the gulf between two and five it's, is pretty significant. I think that while, while there's definitely annoying stuff that happens in season five of Game of Thrones, some storylines that you could really take or leave. I think it just it, it plays better. It's paced better. And I think a lot of that probably comes down to the fact that like by the time that they got to this point in the show, it's a much more confident experience. Benioff and Weiss know what they're doing. Um, season two is really the product of, oh, my God, we have this huge, uh, you know, the world's biggest show on our hands. And we are unprepared for how to hop back into a complicated story and, and, you know, really, you know, make this work. And I think that you can see some of the seams in season two and you can see some of that stuff here in season five as well but where it's strong it's a lot stronger than i even uh had remembered so it's never as strong as the best stuff from uh one three and four for me uh but it's it's still really good it's super watchable it's game of thrones uh that's that's basically my takeaway and i think that it also in in retrospect i really do think it plays a lot better some of these uh some of these storylines play better when you know how they're going to end in six like when you know that they're not necessarily going to be like long-term arcs that the high sparrow is not the great villain of game of thrones when you you know when you can't see the forest for the trees in the moment of the week to week week to week on season five i think it's hard to tolerate some of those storylines but when you know that he's just going to get engulfed in hot green fire uh it makes it a little easier i think yeah the stuff that i remember being bad nothing was as bad as i remembered it as bad yeah i agree makes sense most of that for the for the most part, I, I I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything else before we sign off for season five? No. Um. There's only two seasons left on the rewatch, and then we're probably going to be going straight into the final season of Game of Thrones. So full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. And then back to one. And then back to one. Because <laughs> we have to do the first couple of seasons uh, with without all the, spoilers. the spoiler zone. Yeah. 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 All right, Josh. Such fun. I'm sure there will be uh, more Game of Thrones updates uh, coming sometime in these next two weeks before we get back to this. Follow Josh Wiggler. He is uh, on the scene on Game of Thrones for THR. He is at Round Howard. 
Of course, you can find everything that he's doing for THR uh, and everything else he's doing in, in real life as well at Round Howard on Twitter. You're not going to see everything that I'm doing in real life. I keep some of that close to the chest, like so well, many knives uh, killed to me by the Night's Watch. Killed to me? What <laughs> am I talking about? Get me out of here. I got to get out of here. All right. Josh Wiggler's got to get out of here. We'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes. And we'll talk we to you. We are thankful for you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for The season uh, for six along. premiere of Game of Thrones is uh, what you'll hear next uh, when we talk Game of Thrones. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 